What's going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another podcast episode. If you guys haven't already, please hit that like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Appreciate you all coming back. Thank you for helping us hit 300 subscribers on YouTube. Right now we're at 303, so let's get that up. Obviously, 400, 500, 600. Those are all milestones to get to 1K, and then the journey keeps continuing, and it goes on and on and on. I do have an idea, though. And this relates to the upcoming bye week before we get into any of the Raiders stuff. And I talk about some of my opening thoughts because my original thoughts on the Raiders coming into the season are different than my thoughts now. So let's talk about that idea. So I really haven't had a lot of content creators on in the past few months on my podcast. The last one, I believe, was The Hub or The Entertainer. But content creators is really not the point right now. My point is this. By week, you have to think of stuff that you need to come out with. I have a podcast, this podcast, twice a week. So there's going to be the week after the Raiders game, which is the Friday-Saturday period. I record on Friday. Saturday's the release period. Then you have after the bye week, which is... What is it? Week 10 is our bye. So the Monday, Tuesday period after the bye week. So I got to have some ideas for that. Now, one of the ideas, which is going to be a pretty interesting podcast episode if I do my research and a lot lot of other stuff, I'm really excited for it, is I'm going to tell you guys, based on research and a lot of other things, how the Giants are doing it wrong in terms of a football philosophy. I want to have a content creator on. That way we can... Pretty much just go back and forth and really go into it. But let's talk about the Raider game. I think this is a game the Giants can win. I'm not saying they will, they won't. I'll save that for the end. But the Raiders, I thought that they were overrated coming into the season. I said, nah, you know, the defense is going to suck again. The offense is going to be good, but the defense is going to suck for the entire year. Turns out I was wrong. Turns out I was wrong. The defense is doing a pretty good job for them. They've had a lot of controversy. John Gruden, Henry Ruggs, now Damon Arnett. So it's going to be interesting to see how they overcome this. Rick Basaccia? I think that's how you say his name. Uh, Rick Basaccia. He is the interim head coach. He seems to be having a good tenure so far. But I thought they were overrated coming into the year. Right now, I believe they're at the top of the AFC West. So... They want to play for that lead, especially with Kansas City facing the Aaron rodgers list Green Bay Packers, which is probably a win for them. But if they fall, they tie with the Chiefs because I believe the Chiefs will win, and it's going to be a 5-4 and four thing. But the Raiders are really playing some good football right now. They are on a two-game winning streak and coming off of a bye week. So that's that. The Giants, if I'm going to speak a little bit on the positive side, they played competitive football against the Kansas City Chiefs. They did not win, though which pisses me off because they could have won. If they were getting blown out, they were getting blown out. But they could have won the game. However, there are some players that are coming back this week. Notably, really one. Kenny Galladay. He may be coming back this week. Meaning in tomorrow's game. And I was very shocked to hear that news. But... If he plays, he better be healthy, and he better play up to his potential. 
I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I expect the Giants offense or defense to do this, blah, 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 because Patrick Graham has disappointed me at times, though I've given him a lot of praise within the last two weeks, and Jason Garrett has disappointed me for a good point in the season, or I should say a good portion of the season, going back to last year as well. So the Raiders have a clean injury report. They have guys on IR like every other team, but they don't have anyone on the injury report. The two guys that were on Wednesday or Thursday's injury report were like Jonathan Hankins, former Giant, by the way, and another guy. But they were fine. Full practice. Boom. But the Giants have a list of players ruled out for Sunday's game. Running back Saquon Barkley with the ankle injury. I really feel that he shouldn't have played either way. If Kenny Galladay is healthy, Kenny Galladay is healthy. We'll see how that goes. But in terms of Barkley... He's had ankle issues before, and he really didn't practice with the whole COVID false positive bullshit, so it's better that he just sits out, and then bye week comes, hopefully everybody's healthy, Sterling Shepard, all these other guys, and they get back to full form, and maybe this team can win some games, even though it is in the second half of the season, and the division isn't really close to us right now. Other players that have been ruled out, Sterling Shepard with the quad injury that he suffered on Monday. Lorenzo Carter suffered the ankle injury a couple weeks ago, and he is out. And Nate Ebner, the special teamer, with an ankle injury. So maybe we do see some Aaron Robinson at safety. And this is not just, oh, well, this, this, and this. But obviously, Ebner being out, that's an impact on special teams. And Drew Peppers being out. That affects special teams and the regular defensive rotation as well. So do we see Robinson play at safety a little bit other than three safeties? Does J.R. Reed finally get some snaps? It's going to be an interesting thing to see on Sunday. Uh, in terms of questionable, Kenny Galladay is questionable with a knee injury, but a lot of people are feeling good about him and his chances on Sunday. John Ross with a quad injury, I think he'll play. I don't know the severity severity of the injury, but we'll see. Gary Brightwell, who is currently in COVID protocol, so I guess they're still trying to figure out the thing with him. They signed Dexter Williams to the practice squad just in case of if he tests positive again, this, this, and this, the protocols, whatever. But some other roster moves that they did make, as I mentioned, they did sign... Dexter Williams, the former Green Bay running back to the practice squad, just in case Brightwell can't go, which will leave, I believe, one roster spot open, possibly. They activated Saquon Barkley and McKinney from the COVID reserve list because false positives. Jake Hosman was terminated from the practice squad, the undrafted free agent out of Ohio State, and then they placed Dante Pettis on IR with the shoulder injury. So is that the rest of the season for him? I don't know. We'll see what happens. They still have not activated Ellerson Smith, though, and I really don't expect him to play after the bye. But with that being said, the practice squad protections for this week, the Raiders have three, and usually the teams that the Giants face, they really don't use the practice squad protections, but I think it's just something else to include. They've used three, but they've also signed one of those protections to the active roster with the whole Henry Ruggs controversy. They signed... Dylan Stoner to the active roster, who I believe is an undrafted free agent out of Oklahoma State. They also have protected linebacker Patrick Unwasor, 
former Raven linebacker. I believe he was a former Jet linebacker as well. And also the former Chicago Bears wide receiver, Javon Wims, in case. And also the Giants protected these practice squad players. Trent Harris, who did play in the game against Kansas City on Monday. Kadara Hallman, I believe he was a former Packer. Wide receiver David Sills and cornerback Jaron Williams, the 2020 undrafted free agent out of Albany. So, I guess it's because of depth and special teams duties. Sam Beal did see the field a little bit last week on one or two snaps. But I guess it's just special teams. Wide receivers, just in case Galladay doesn't play again and they have Pettis on IR. And then Trent Harris, because Lorenzo Carter's injured, Personally, I wouldn't mind if Trent Harris plays over O'Shane Zimenez. It's really impossible. But O'Shane Zimenez, all he does is bat passes and gets offsides. Trent Harris made a really nice play in the run game against the Chiefs on Monday. But that's that. So, let's go into the positional matchups before we go into team stats rankings. You guys know how I do it. Usually these podcast episodes have gone a little bit shorter within the past few weeks. I know going back to the Panthers game, it was like 30 minutes, and the Chiefs game was like 29 minutes. So we'll see how far this goes, but I'm just going to give you guys the information, and you guys do what you want to do with it. So for positional matchups, Derek Carr is really having another good season. Now, he was known as a checkdown Charlie two years before 2020. In 2020, the offense started hitting it off. Spread the ball really well. Nelson Aguilar was doing some things. And I believe Gruden was a play caller. It wasn't Greg Olson, not the tight end Greg Olson. Another Greg Olson who currently is the play caller and the offensive coordinator. But the problem is, once again, with the 2020 team and why my expectations were so low for the Raiders because their defense was horrible. They could not make adjustments. And they fired Paul Gunther, I think his name was. And they hired... Gus Bradley, who was the former defensive coordinator of the Los Angeles Chargers. So, with that being said, we'll talk about later how he brought some of his guys over from Los Angeles and how that's making an impact on the defense. But, in terms of the quarterback position, I'll go Las Vegas both ways because Derek Carr coming into the year was better quarterback than Daniel Jones. More touchdowns, this and the other thing even in a situation where his team was not winning. And also, he's playing very good this year. He's throwing the ball downfield to guys like Zay Jones and Brian Edwards. And with that being said, though, Derek Carr doesn't have a good offensive line. They stripped the offensive line this offseason, or I should say last offseason. Trent Brown was traded. Gabe Jackson was traded. Rodney Hudson was traded. I feel like they had another guy. Richie Incognito is currently on IR. And the only mainstay from last year is Colton Miller, the left tackle, who's playing decent football, but the rest of the O-line is garbage. Sorry. That's how it is. But Carr is playing some of his best football. So I'll take him double over Daniel Jones and the Giants quarterback room. In terms of the running back room, the Giants obviously coming into the year. Saquon Barkley, Devontae Booker, the former Raider himself, were expected to be at least a decent duo in the running game. Though questions about Saquon coming back from his injury, so... On paper, the Giants are supposed to be better. And with that being said, though, it's a tough one. It's a tough one because the Raiders were supposed to be a good duo, too, in the running game. Kenyon Drake signed from the Cardinals and also as well, 
Josh Jacobs, the third-year man out of Alabama. And Jacobs really has not stayed on the field, and their running game is one of the worst in the NFL. You talk about the Giants are bad, Raiders are bad too. It's not just the running back's fault. It's also the offensive line is one of the worst run-blocking offensive lines in the NFL, and that's unfortunate. But the game plan around that to really lift this offense, Derek Carr and Brian Edwards and Hunter Renfro and all these other guys. So in terms of the running back room, I'll slightly... Very slightly take the Las Vegas Raiders because I believe the Giants are barely over 200. Now, there is a stat out there, and what do I mean by that? Not that the Giants don't have 200 rushing yards already on the season, that would be horrible. But coming into the Chiefs game, they were the only team in the NFL without a rusher of 200 yards. That's not good. That is not good. I don't care who's it running back, what the situation is. Teams find ways to mold over that. And it is what it is. Wide receiver room. Giants, obviously, coming into the year, much better talent than what the Raiders have at the moment and what they had at the time coming into the year. Henry Ruggs, obviously, is a disappointment. We all know that story. I'm not going to get into it. Kenny Galladay, involvement in the offense, and the fact that he can't stay on the field. Kadarius Toney, he's been on and off. Sterling Shepard, he's been on and off the field. Darius Slayton, he's not even been healthy. So you really have to make a distinction here. And I, I'm going to go with the Raiders in terms of production because one thing Derek Carr knows how to do is spread the ball. Hunter Renfro, I believe, has like 360 yards this season. Brian Edwards, even though he really has not reached his potential yet. Darren Waller, even though teams have really done a good job of shutting him down, really limiting him. Also, Zay Jones, who's been a playmaker, kind of like a Deshaun Jackson before he was cut from the Rams, really a deep ball guy, not a guy that gets like 10 catches a game or 5 catches a game, more like 2 catches a game, but big explosive plays, I would say like a John Ross. So there's that, but once again, I'll take the Raiders receiving room over the Giants. In terms of Giants' tight end room, now, Giants had two quality tight ends over Darren Waller and an unknown commodity in Foster Moreau. But I'll take the Raiders on the field because Darren Waller has been productive even though teams have limited him. And Foster Moreau, I believe he did have a good week when Darren Waller was out. So I believe that was against the Broncos. Um, and then Evan Ingram really hasn't been great this year. He did catch a touchdown pass against the Kansas City Chiefs. So did Kyle Rudolph. But it has to be on a consistent basis. And Giants really haven't been consistent in terms of offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. Now you look at the O-line room. This one is really tough. This one is tough because you look at both O-lines, similar in ways. Because the left tackle, now Andrew Thomas is out. He's going to be out another week and a half. He'll be coming back most likely on Monday Night Football against the Bucks. But you look at the offensive line, right? Now the Raiders did reach, in my opinion, they reached on Alex Leatherwood in the first round. So at least they invested something, but it's not too much of a something, in my opinion. But we'll see how it plays out in the future. Now, 
They traded away a lot of their offensive linemen this past offseason. While the Giants really didn't do anything with the offensive line, they tried signing a lot of older veterans and it didn't work. So you look at those two offensive lines, if healthy, and you say, hey, well, the left tackle has really been the one that's holding it up. Other than that, the offensive line has been a train wreck. So it's really tough. Las Vegas coming into the year, it's really tough, actually, because I might switch. I had Las Vegas on paper, but other than Colton Miller and Richie Incognito, Andre James was going to be your starting center and still is. Alex Leatherwood, who switched from right tackle to guard. It's tough. It's tough. So I'm going to go with... I really don't want to go with the Giants here, but I don't want to go with the Raiders either. In terms of talent, in terms of talent, I'm going to slightly go with the Giants. That's obviously on paper. And in terms of the Raiders, or I should say in terms of on-field product, I'll think, I think I'll slightly go with the Raiders. Very slightly, though. It's not anything too much to talk about. So defensive line, it's also a tough distinction. It's not necessarily a bad thing because Quentin Jefferson and Solomon Thomas, both guys have been good at getting to the passer, even though they're interior defensive linemen. Now, Leonard Williams has four and a half, five and a half sacks on the season. Dexter Lawrence has been a bit better in the last couple of games. Austin Johnson's a quality run defender. So you can make a couple of comparisons there. So in terms of talent-wise, the Giants are definitely better. But on the field product... I'm going to go ahead, let's see how the Raiders are in terms of run defense, because that one I would like to know. Actually, let me go back. I I don't know why I went back a couple of pages when I had it in the back of my brain, but they are one of the worst in run defense, so I'm going to go with the Giants on this one. In terms of linebackers, Giants obviously coming into the year, Blake Martinez and some of the other guys. Meanwhile, you have the Raiders linebacker room, which really was an unknown commodity. Nick Kwiatkowski and Corey Littleton came off bad seasons because the defense was bad, and they were signed to some big contracts. They were at the top of the free agent list, and a lot of people critiqued the Giants and said, hey, why aren't you going after Kwiatkowski and Littleton? Why did you go after, you know, why did you go after Martinez? And that ended up being the right decision, but... I'm going to take the Giants on paper coming into the year, but the Raiders have better production because they signed two linebackers that are near their 30s if they're not in their 30s already, and they've worked out to be quality linebackers, not you know great linebackers, not Pro Bowl linebackers, not Bobby, Bobby Wagner in his prime, even though we're talking about a teammate of his, K.J. Wright and Denzel Perryman. Gus Bradley, I don't know how long K.J. Wright was with the Seahawks. I want to say it was 2012, maybe, 2013. So Gus Bradley knows him from there, and he also knows Denzel Perryman from his time as the defensive coordinator in L.A. So that's where that comes into play, the familiarity, which is a big thing in the NFL, but you have to trust the right guys. You have to bring in the right guys, or else your defense is going to be trash. You do what the Giants did with James Betcher, it's not going to work. But Gus Bradley has done a good job of bringing in his guys, quality playmakers, not terrific, not, oh my God, this is the best corner in football. 
even though Casey Hayward is having a good season, um, with that being said, though, it's not Pro Bowl guys, but it's not cast-offs like Kareem Martin, Antoine Bethea, and all these other guys. So he's doing a good job there. In terms of the cornerback room, I'll take the Giants of recently in terms of production and also uh, on the field. Well, yeah, on the field production and coming into the season. Dory Jackson, James Bradbury, they performed well over the last couple of games. They made major improvements in their game. James Bradbury with an interception. Dory Jackson also playing well too. But here's the thing. A lot of people have been sparring about what the Raiders' secondary actually is. Now, they do have Nate Hobbs, Brandon Fassison, and Casey Hayward as the prime starters. Uh, with that being said, Nate Hobbs will likely start this week. He's a fifth-round pick, I believe, out of Illinois. But the main point that I'm trying to make is a lot of people have been saying, well, their secondary subpar. And a lot of other people are saying, well, their secondary is actually good. So it's hard to distinct, but I'll slightly take the Giants there. In terms of safeties... The Giants coming into the season were supposed to be really good at the safety spot. But Jonathan Abrams had uh Jonathan Abrams. I'm thinking of Kevin Abrams. Jonathan Abram has made a improvement in his game. Trayvon Mooring is you know a decent safety as well. So I'll take the Las Vegas Raiders in the safety room. And I'll take the New York Giants on both special teams aspects coming into the year and on the field production. Alright, so let's take a look at the team's stats, team's rankings. We'll start off with the away team, the Las Vegas Raiders. So on offense, they're ninth in total yards per game. They're second in passing offense, 29th in rushing offense, and they're 11th in points per game. You look at their defense, 14th in total yards per game, 9th in pass defense, 29th in rush defense, 18th in points per game. You take a look at the New York Giants. They're 20th in total yards per game on offense, 12th in passing offense, 26th in rushing offense, and 24th in points per game. You look at the defensive side of the ball, which has gotten better over the last few weeks. 23rd in total yards per game. In passing defense, they're 17th, 23rd in rushing defense, and 23rd in points per game. Now we take a look at things to look for, players to watch. Derek Carr is playing some of his best football. Obviously, once again, as I mentioned, 2018, 2019, known as a check down Charlie. And he's really proven them wrong. He's really proven them wrong the last two years, and I love to see it. Derek Carr is not a player that I hate. I root for him on occasion, just as the goodwill, you know, person that I am. But with that being said, I'm not going to be rooting for him this Sunday. But he's got some good stats. A completion percentage of 67.7, 2,269 yards with a touchdown-to-interception ratio of 12-5. to 5, Has been sacked 17 times. Once again, that is due to his offensive line. But he is rising above the situation. He's rising to the occasion as well. Now, top wide receivers, I'll preview it a little bit also top receivers in general and I'll mention something else because this relates a little bit to what the Giants did against the Chiefs last week what the Chiefs did against the Giants and we'll talk about it so top 
receiving threats, in my opinion, right now are Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and Brian Edwards. Renfro on the season, I believe he's, he's their now leading receiver with Ruggs gone. He's caught 38 passes for 399 yards and two touchdowns. You take a look at Darren Waller. He's caught 33 passes for 378 yards and two touchdowns. You look at Brian Edwards, who's caught 18 passes for 346 yards and one touchdown. You look at Zay Jones, going back to the mini-discussion I had about him. He's caught six passes for 115 yards and one touchdown. And it's interesting as well. I don't know how it falls in the Giants category, but they all have over 10 yards a catch. Which, once again, is good for their offense. It's not something, oh, short yardage, this and this and this. Uh, they go downfield. Now, what am I going to mention about something else? Chiefs, Giants, what was I talking about, you ask? I'm looking for something to happen in terms of the defensive game plan a little bit. Kind of like the way they play against the Chiefs. And I'm looking for the Raiders to do what the Chiefs did against the Giants to get yards. Now, we all know that the Kansas City Chiefs, like the Oakland Raiders, but schematically different, are a big offense. They go downfield. They do all sorts of big plays, explosive plays, whatever you want to call it. With that being said, though, the Giants played that very well last week. The biggest play was 24 yards. However, there were outlets. There were outlets. Darrell Williams... What's the other running back they have? There is Darrell Williams, and I'm forgetting the other guy's name. But the main two running backs for the Chiefs kept catching passes out of the backfield. First down, first down, first down. And I believe the Giants, in my opinion, should have a guy on Kenyon Drake or Josh Jacobs. I personally think that the receiving back this week, like Darrell Williams was on Monday, I believe he was Kansas City's third leading receiver, five receptions for like 61 yards or something like that. But, going back to the Raiders thing, the Giants thing as well, I'm looking for Kenyon Drake to come out of the backfield as that check down, as that outlet. I'm not saying that he's a check down Charlie Derek Carr, but if they're preventing the deep ball, if they're preventing the big play like they did against Kansas City, look for those outlets and look for those check downs to be made. Kenyon Drake, I believe, is the fourth or fifth leading receiver on the Raiders right now. And as I mentioned, Derek Carr does spread the ball out. So it's not just, oh, this guy is a leading receiver with 600 yards. No, it's Renfro, Waller, Edwards, Drake, Jones, also some Foster Moreau in there. Josh Jacobs is probably going to be used in the running game more than he is in the passing game. And I think Jacobs was healthy two weeks ago. I'm not sure about that. But Drake has statistically been used more in the passing game. So if you're looking to see who the outlet is for Sunday's game, if you're a defensive guy, offensive guy, whatever, or if you're a Raiders fan in general, if you're a Raiders fan watching or listening to this podcast, that's something to look out for. The Giants defend the deep ball. Derek Carr will probably check it down a couple of times to Kenyon Drake. That's something I'm looking for. And if it's not Kenyon Drake, I believe it's going to be Josh Jacobs. But I really believe in my heart it will be Kenyon Drake. Now, the defensive side of the ball is very, very scary. In terms of you look at two guys. Not looking at the secondary. And I'm certainly not looking at the linebacker core. Max Crosby. 
Now, he has been somewhat inconsistent in terms of sacks. He had two sacks in a game at the first part of the season. Then he had three, I believe, against Denver. But him against Nate Solder is going to make me shit my pants on Sunday. It's going to be bad. And I'm just forewarning you. I'm not trying to say, oh, well, I'm not rooting for Solder, this, this, and this. Max Crosby primarily bull rushes, and Nate Solder cannot handle that. Nate Solder obviously was featured in that meme of him just sitting on the ground like this as Frank Clark hits Daniel Jones. So be prepared for that this week. Even if Andrew Thomas was starting, I would say, hey, be prepared for that. Now the other guy on the other side is going to be Yannick Ngakwe. Let me read out Crosby's stats before I get ahead of myself, and then I'll go with Yannick Ngakwe. So Max Crosby has 19 quarterback hits on this year. And we're going into week 9, so they've played 7 games. Including the bye week, obviously. But a career high of 19 quarterback hits. That's only going to go up. 4 tackles for loss, 5 sacks, 22 pressures, and a total of 18 tackles. So... You got to do some max protect. If they figure it out, you got to scheme it like you did against the Panthers, rollouts, stuff like that. That's the best I can, that's the best advice I can give Jason Garrett. Will he listen to me? Probably not. Will he listen to anybody? Probably not because Jason Garrett as or I should say is as stubborn as a mule. You look at Yannick Ngakwe. So far on the season, Ngakwe has 4 sacks, 10 quarterback hits. Three tackles for a loss, 17 pressures, 15 tackles in total. Both have started seven games. So, once again, a guy who's wrecked the Giants before in 2018, if you guys don't remember. He had a lot of pressures. Um, he also had a career year in 2018 as well, but he was destroying Eric Flowers along with Calais Campbell, and the offensive line was just bad that day. I just remember that. With that being said, though, you take a look at their interior defensive line, which... Isn't good in the run game. They're better pushers of the pocket, if you will. The closest they have to a solid run defender is Jonathan Hankins, a former Giant, by the way. So, in terms of their interior defensive line, it is mostly stacked up of Solomon Thomas and Quinton Jefferson. So, Solomon Thomas has two and a half sacks so far this year. Quinton Jefferson has two, a total of... I believe a tackle for loss for each. Quinton Jefferson has eight quarterback hits, which is good for an interior defensive lineman, at least in my opinion. He also has 11 pressures, and 11 pressures for Solomon Thomas as well, and nine quarterback hits. Now you take a look at the linebacking core before we go back to the secondary, which I was discussing a little bit before. Once again, I mentioned these are guys that Gus Bradley has brought over Guys, he's known. I'm not saying that he's a GM or anything, but I'm just saying, you know, familiarity is a factor in today's NFL. And when you grab the best players that you're familiar with that are free agents, they work out well. Denzel Perryman, already on the season, has 81 tackles. That is, that's very good. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that's near a career high for him. Yes, career high for Denzel Perryman. Um, obviously, he spent a couple of years with Chargers, with Gus Bradley, as I mentioned. 
but he has 81 tackles on the season, one quarterback hit, and a total of two tackles for a loss. K.J. Wright, who's been factoring more into the mix, I believe he was on their practice squad to start, then active roster, started getting some snaps a couple of weeks ago. He has 16 tackles and one tackle for a loss. Now, you take a look at their secondary, which, once again, as I mentioned before, it puzzles me because a lot of people are saying, oh, well, you know, um, their secondary is subpar. Oh, their secondary is good. Statistically, they're not bad. Except for Nate Hobbs. Now, I've also been hearing that Nate Hobbs is playing some good football and could be in the conversation for defensive player of the year. I don't know if that's Raiders fans overreacting. But with that being said, you guys can take the statistics and watch some film and really decide your opinions and narratives. So for Casey Hayward, who's been playing in this league for a long, long time, he started all seven games this season thus far. He's allowed 11 completions on 23 targets, 47.8 completion percentage, 109 yards allowed, no touchdowns, and a six point, uh, no, excuse me, 61.7 passer rating allowed, which is good. And he's allowed approximately 9.9 yards per completion, 4.7 per target. Look at Brandon Fassison, who had an interception against the Broncos a couple of weeks ago. He started one game this season, but he's played in all three. Or I should say three of the seven games that they played. He's allowed eight completions on 19 targets, a 42.1 completion percentage, 88 yards, no touchdowns, a passer rating of 34.5, but has allowed 11 yards per completion, 4.6 per target. So that's a big gap there. You take a look at their fifth round pick out of Illinois by the name of Nate Hobbs. He's played all seven games, has started five. Now, this is where it gets choppy a little bit in the opinion and narrative stuff. I don't know what the Raiders fans are watching on film. I'm not going to criticize them, but statistically, he doesn't look that good. Has allowed 27 completions on 31 targets and 87.1 completion percentage, 164 yards. 88.7 passer rating, which isn't bad, but I guess what they're coming from, or I should say where they're coming from in terms of the good defensive play is that a, he's a good tackler, 32 tackles in the season, and he doesn't allow that many yards. Short yardage, 6.1 yards allowed per completion, 5.3 yards per target. So take that as you will once again. Some key stats, the Raiders are 13th in sacks, 18 on the season. I'm pretty sure that's actually around where the Giants are, actually. And the same with the offensive line category. Derek Carr has been sacked 17 times. And the Giants, well, they've been sacked 17 times as well. So they are tied in that category. Also, um, they are tied in the sacks category, category defensively. And they're also 11th in pass rate, 62.06%. So take that as you will. They're also, I believe, top five in pressure percentage. And they don't blitz a lot. They don't blitz a lot. You see a lot of these teams, like the Ravens, they blitz you a shit ton like they did against the Giants last year. Really confused the shit out of Matt Parrott. But this team, primarily Gus Bradley, he doesn't blitz a lot. But they get the pressure because they have the guys to do it. So questions to answer. And I also have something at the end of the defensive questions to answer. I only have three for each. So... Number one, how will this O-line hold up against guys like Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe, Salman Thomas, and Quinton Jefferson? 
I mentioned that the interior guys are better pocket pushers than they are in terms of the running game. That's also a question I could add. I'll see which one I'm going to replace it with, though. You know what? I'll place it as number two. But how will the O-line hold up? It's going to be not very good from the tackles, in my opinion. Parrott's going to struggle. So is Solder. And we've seen Solder struggle all season. But I don't think the Giants offensive line is going to perform well if Jason Garrett doesn't scheme it up to be where the offensive line doesn't affect the game very much. But we'll see. Number two... I'll put my running game question here. Can the Giants get a running game going? Giants really haven't had a running game this season. Devontae Booker did okay last week. He did okay against the Panthers. Not game-changing stats, but stats that, you know, are okay for per carry about. So I'm expecting that against the Raiders because they are one of the worst defenses in terms of the running game. But once again, it's Jason Garrett, but... Because I'm predicting them to be conservative because of this offensive line, I'm going to expect to see some runs of five yards, four yards, short yardage runs, stuff like that. We'll see where the Giants go in terms of that. But who is the distinct number one target? I honestly should rethink that question because Tony, he's playing. Galde looks like he's playing. John Ross looks like he's playing. And... What's his face? Darius Slayton looks like he's playing. So I might change that. But also, one of my other questions was supposed to be, which DJ will we see on Sunday? So, it's frustrating to see and to talk about that the Giants really didn't carve up the Chiefs' defense. Not just because of the O-line, but because they couldn't do it schematically. Because Jason Garrett is Jason Garrett. But Daniel Jones, in my opinion, has to rise above that this, at some point. Because in the NFL, you really don't get a perfect situation all the time. And like Luca and Sean have said on the Boys of Big Apple podcast, if you're still wondering if Daniel Jones is the guy, if you're still trying to ask questions and find out the questions, or I should say the answer to those questions, then he may not be the guy. But I think at some point, Daniel Jones has to rise above this. And once again, you can blame wide receivers, offensive line, schematics of Jason Garrett. You can blame that stuff. But the fact that he did have a good game against the Panthers kind of shows you that he's inconsistent, that the boat is rocking. It's not really staying on a flat surface, on flat waters, if you will. It's not rocking. Well, it should be rocking. It is rocking right now. In terms of defense, how will Derek Carr perform with Henry Ruggs gone? In my opinion, he's going to keep spreading the ball like he is. Zay Jones, Hunter Renfro. Darren Waller, Brian Edwards. This, I believe, is Brian Edwards' time to shine. He hasn't really reached that potential, but we'll see. I believe he's a fourth-round pick from last year out of Clemson or Alabama, one of those bigger colleges, but I believe it's Clemson. Number two, will this defense hold down the fort just like last week? The big plays, I believe there's going to be a lot of checkdowns because this offense has the ability to go deep, and the Giants played well against that situation last week so I think they will hold the fort down it's a matter of the offense and what they do right number three will Patrick Graham attack the right side of the O-line some of the left side too and I was rethinking it I was doing some research and I'm like man kind of like our offensive line the left tackle is good but the rest is shit so here are my 
suggestions on where to put these guys in terms of Leonard Williams and all these other guys because their offensive line, as I mentioned how many times before, besides their left tackle, is really not that good. So realistically, you could put Leonard Williams, and I know they place him on the edge a lot, but I don't know that it's going to work against Alex Leatherwood and Brandon Parker, but we'll see, we'll see. So you could have Leonard Williams or Dexter on Andre James, who's the center, and place him on John Simpson or the Simmons guy. Give me one second, guys. Simmons, what's his name? Jordan Simmons. Because I know they've been switching John Simpson and Jordan Simmons at left guard. So you could switch him out. We'll see what happens, obviously. But I don't think they'll be double teaming in terms of left tackle. I don't think they'll be double teaming our rushers. Unless Leo is on the edge Facing Colton Miller, they will not be double-teaming Aziz Ojolari. They will not be double-teaming O'Shane Zimenez. They will not be double-teaming Quincy Roche. So, in my opinion, Andre James is going to be getting some help from a guy like John Simpson or Jordan Simmons on Leo or Dexter. Once again, these aren't predictions. These are more like propositions. Leo and Dexter or Raymond Johnson could also face... Alex Leatherwood and Andre James, depending on what the protections are, who's got who, and this, that, and the other thing, and how the defensive lines. So, in my opinion, I could be looking for the first sack of his NFL career, meaning Raymond Johnson. He's a good pass rusher. He's okay in the running game, not too great, really below par. But this could be a week where Raymond Johnson gets. A few pressures. I'm not saying he's going to play 100% of the snaps or 60%. He plays more like 10%, 20%, if that. But I think this is a good week to get him in. Undrafted free agent. Maybe get his first sack. But once again, another couple of defensive linemen. You can place on Andre James and Alex Leatherwood. And Leatherwood's not a tackle anymore. He's been shifted inside at guard. He can still play tackle. But once again, he's been shifted inside at guard due to the injury of Richie, uh, Richie Incognito. So you have Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence you could play there, and also Raymond Johnson. Now, if you're going to talk about the edge, you obviously got to decide who you're putting next to Colton Miller because Colton Miller is a decent left tackle in this league. Meanwhile, Brandon Parker is a backup. So do you want Aziz Ojolari to get more production? You're going to place him on Brandon Parker. Now, do you want to see more things out of Quincy Roche? You're probably placing him on Brandon Parker and having Aziz in my opinion, possibly locked down by Colton Miller, but also there's a chance that Colton Miller will give up a sack because that's what NFL linemen do. There's no such thing as a perfect NFL offensive lineman. But those are a couple of things, those are a couple of alignments that could happen there. Austin Johnson could also have a sack. I believe he has two and a half, three on the year. So if they put him in passing downs when the Raiders pass it, he could also get in there. I don't think Danny Shelton should get in there, me personally. But, hey, this is why I'm a content creator. Now, let's take a look at keys to win and then predictions, and then you guys are set free on the rest of your day. Number one, contain edge pressure. I don't know how the Giants will do that, but that's definitely key number one. you got to contain edge pressure. One side, it's going to be Yannick Ngakwe. The other side, is going to be Max Crosby. And will Max Crosby have a game where it's five quarterback hits or two sacks? I don't know. Because that's really the type of games he's been having this year. It's either five quarterback hits and two sacks, or it's three quarterback hits and two quarterback hits and no sacks. We'll see. I'd prefer the latter, 
over the first option, but the first option is likely more to happen against a horrible Nate ta- uh, horrible offensive tackle like Nate Solder. So contain edge pressure is the number one key. Number two is run the ball effectively. This is one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. They really don't have a run-stopping defensive lineman. Jonathan Hankins is an average run stopper. So run the ball, get about 80, 90 yards if you can on the ground. And I'm not even saying throw Daniel out there, don't throw Daniel out there. Obviously, it's been a little bit of a while since we've seen him on a couple of read options. But with that being said, run it with Booker. Penny, maybe. I would say Brightwell, but he's on COVID protocols. So even if he comes back for Sunday's game, who knows if he'll be active. And then number three, limit the drive-killing penalties. I think that's one of the most important. We know Jason Garrett's going to be conservative. We know he likes running the football. But if the Giants want to get downfield and be competitive and not give too much work for the defense, you got to limit the drive-killing penalties. Holding on Nate Solder, false starter Mo Hernandez, those have to stop. Those have to stop. If you guys keep doing that in terms of the Giants, if they keep doing that, well, we're going to see another game like Kansas City where they consistently beat themselves rather than they go out and beat the opponent. They beat themselves. But in terms of predictions, I think the Giants can win this week. If they didn't have McKinney back, I would question whether they were going to win. I don't know. And I'm not too confident in this prediction, but I think the Giants will win. I think the Giants will win before the bye week, which could put some fire in them. I'm going to go with the score of 2017. Let's go for that. 2017 New York Giants win. Before the bye week, they earned their third win of the season. Defense does most of the job. The offense does what they can against this Raider defense. If you guys haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or video drops. Follow the podcast if you're on Spotify, Podbean, all those platforms. Obviously, keep a lookout and keep in mind possible really fun idea for one podcast episode next week, which will be really discussing why the Giants have been bad the last two years and the last couple of years, really. And keep an eye out for the content. Keep an eye out for the content. And we're getting places. We're getting places. And just like to thank you guys for keeping in here, staying with me, and doing all that good stuff. Peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool.